Purple, get ready to roll indeed. This is the College and Kimball Podcast. I am Jeff Burkhart, joined by my man Justin Nutter, here to give you guys the preview of K-State's Big 12 conference opener against the Oklahoma Sooners, a giant game for the Wildcats this coming Saturday in Norman primetime on Fox proper. Got a lot of items to dive into here. Before we jump into that, quick request of our listeners. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at college underscore Kimball and subscribe to our podcast on whatever your preferred app is. You can find us on all the major platforms. So with all that said, Nutter, just because I know uh, you didn't have a chance, obviously, to sound off after the Tulane game, I'll go ahead and open things up to you. Any lingering thoughts that you wanted to vent uh, following that lackluster effort we saw from the Wildcats this past Saturday? Yeah, if I had to sum it up in one word, it's deflating for sure. Um, you know, I know we had mentioned, you know, before the game, there were definitely some concerns about maybe your focus not being in the right spot. You know, you're coming off a pretty big win against trash talking Missouri. You're uh, setting up for what looks to be a primetime, you know, ranked matchup in Norman. Uh, you got the awesome new uniforms and then it all just comes crashing down. Um Offense couldn't move the ball. You know, the play calling was pretty suspect. Um, Once again, Martinez looked pretty timid back there. Didn't really look super willing to let it rip, you know, whether that's on coaching or whether that's a mental hurdle he needs to clear. As we're getting into Big 12 play here against an Oklahoma team that didn't hasn't really seemed to miss a beat under, you know, a new coach with a new quarterback. Definitely a lot of cause for concern. And like I said, the wind's definitely been taken out of the sails a little bit. All that said... You know, everything in the conference is still on the table. There is plenty of time to get this righted, but definitely some hurdles we're going to have to clear before you can really have any real conversations about, you know, is this a conference contender? Chris Kleiman talked about it this week during his press conference. It uh, is not panic time um, because we're only three games into it, but we know it's a, it's a time for us that we have to improve in, in all areas. And so I'm excited to see how the guys respond to adversity. We talked about the adversity that we're facing and, and uh, have faced it before. Um, and uh, these guys need to attack it. In a way that was somewhat comforting because – when there is that much confidence coming from the top down, that does make you believe that in a way that there is something that we maybe haven't seen from this offense. And in particular, it also kind of reinforces what we already know about this defense, which is it is a top-notch unit. It is going to be one of the best units in the Big 12. It does need a, a significant amount of help from the offense because we can't be throwing these guys out there and putting them in precarious spots the way that the offense did last Saturday when it failed to convert four out of five fourth downs and Tulane had an advantage in field position pretty much, it seemed like, throughout the entirety of that game. And that's that was a Tulane offense that, frankly, it, it provided some good tests and, and I think gave a good preview of what you'll see from Oklahoma. But again, you have to level up in terms of caliber of athlete across the board at every single position in terms of how you prepare looking from Tulane to this Oklahoma team. And that's as good a point as any to, to transition into what we're going to break down for you guys, which is the Wildcats upcoming matchup against the Sooners. 
Here at a high level, a couple things I'll mention. Since 1993, as we know, the year that college football began, don't go back and check any further than that. <laughs> Since 1993, K-State is 10-14 against the Oklahoma Sooners. Chris Kleiman, 2-1 and one against OU, and does hold a perfect 1-0 mark in Norman. Of course, that crazy comeback that we saw in the COVID season K-State coming back to upset the Sooners in that one, 38-35 to after trailing 35-14 to midway through the second half. One of the more remarkable games that I can recall ever watching, really, in, in a game in which I think just to, to put that out there to K-State fans that are trying to make some parallels, yes, you do have the very obvious parallel of an embarrassing home loss against a G5 team the week prior. And all of a sudden you go on the road to face Oklahoma the very next week when confidence isn't high. And you think about it too, from K-State's perspective, having to throw in a lot of different guys at positions that they weren't quite comfortable with and everything. And K-State was down a a number of players. and, And I believe the Wildcats were very close to not even being able to make the number of guys to travel for that one, but they went on the road and did the unthinkable. So if you're looking for a little carrot, some positivity there, there is something uh, to hang your hat on. Now, uh, Looking back, though, at last year's game, briefly, I'll touch on this one before we move into the nitty-gritty as far as Oklahoma goes. If you'll recall, it was K-State's game in which they hosted the Sooners, and Skylar Thompson came back off of that injury. There were some questions surrounding whether or not he'd be able to go, and he does, in fact, go and has one of the better games of his career, throwing for 320 yards on 29 of 41, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The offense was not the issue that day. It was the defense. Oklahoma really did torch the Wildcats in that one. Spencer Rattler damn near didn't miss. 22 of 25 for 243 yards, two touchdowns. The defense didn't really apply a lot of pressure to that Oklahoma offense. No hurries generated on the day. No pass breakups generated on the day. Uh, Julius Prince does force one interception. It was a, a, a really an acrobatic effort on him to come down with an interception, but Again, just a game in which the Wildcats defense was the unit that really let them down. So that'll be interesting to see how that unit comes out and plays. I would have to imagine that just looking back at last year, I know we're talking about an Oklahoma team that was coached by a completely different staff, ran a completely different scheme. But in the same breath, I think that is something that you carry over because a lot of the Sooners are obviously going to be coming back and are on this year's squad and whatnot. So I would like to think that that defense maybe has that up as a motivational carrot for them this week, just the way that Oklahoma worked them over pretty thoroughly on their home field last season. You'd like to think that the guys come out with a little bit more gusto and a little bit more wind in the sails to try and go and slow down this Oklahoma attack. And with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the tail of the tape, Justin. This is a really good Oklahoma team coached by former K-State assistant Brent Venables. It's his first year as head coach of the Sooners. They're ranked sixth in the AP poll, 3-0 and on the young season. And this offense, this was the big question, whether or not that group that was coached by Lincoln Riley last year, whether or not they'd be able to pick up where they left off. And man, if you look at the numbers here through three games, they're looking pretty sharp. Yeah, you would probably never know there was a coaching change, let alone, you know, all the personnel changes they had on offense. I know you'll get into individual guys here a little more in a minute, but they're pretty transfer heavy. And uh, first thing that jumps out of you is they don't have the ball very much. They're actually one of the worst in the country in terms of time of possession. They have it for a little bit less than 25 minutes a game. But they're putting up over 42 a game, uh, 42 points a game, and uh, over 500 yards a game. So, you know, they don't have the ball very often, but when they do, they're moving it. They are uh, 
third in the conference so far with a little bit better than seven yards per play. And to give you an idea of how efficient they are, they actually only average about three more plays per game than K-State does. And as you can tell, you know, that that how many times you snap the ball doesn't always make a difference because K-State has really struggled to move the ball. And it's been pretty much the exact opposite in, uh, in Venable's first three games. You know, that their first two ended up being pretty much snoozers. You know, uh, they m- maybe got a little bit of a scare from Kent State, only up 7-3 at half, ended up winning that one 33-3 beat UTEP 45-13, and then really kind of opened the floodgates against uh, Nebraska and Lincoln coming off of the Scott Frost firing 49-14, and frankly, it probably wasn't even that close. So, uh, yeah, again, you'd probably never know that there was anything – you'd never know that there was a coaching change or any kind of turmoil or anything in Norman with the way they've started this year. Tempo is the name of the game. uh, Jeff Lebby is their offensive coordinator. He comes over – and joins the Oklahoma staff by way of Ole Miss. And like you said, they are, they go quick. <laughs> they, the, you're, you're, what you saw again against Tulane, just in terms conceptually of what you'll see with the RPO, a little bit of quarterback run involved here. Th- those are good items to help get you prepped for Oklahoma, but just be ready for a completely different gear in terms of how fast this Oklahoma team is going to go. That's going to be one thing to watch as far as K-State goes. Now, to dive into the players to keep an eye on, you're going to be looking at quarterback Dylan Gabriel. He is a lefty who comes to Oklahoma by way of Central Florida, and he did have an existing relationship with offensive coordinator Jeff Levy, who was OC at UCF back in 2019. So those two are familiar with each other and and likely a big reason why this Oklahoma offense has really just hit the ground running with the new system. And he is currently second in the conference in total offense per game at 270 yards. He's completing right at two-thirds of his passes, 66.7% of his throws per game. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions, but again, the context here of facing two of the worst teams in the S&P Plus rankings in Kent State and UTEP. Uh, Those two checked in at 117th and 106th respectively in the S&P Plus. Uh, Nebraska a little bit better at 68th, but this is a Nebraska team that's looking like it might win two or three games the rest of the way. If that, that would be a pretty big surprise, just given how they perform through the non-con and what's ahead of them in the Big Ten. So, again, the context of how well he's performed it, it, it does need to be noted, but Dylan Gabriel has been more than serviceable in terms of running this offense. And the big thing that stuck out to me, though, was Oklahoma's rushing attack. They're averaging 235 yards per game on the ground. And that's not really what you associate with Oklahoma or have probably associated with Oklahoma over the last couple of seasons. Kennedy Brooks was a fine running back last year, and he's been replaced uh, this season by the Tennessee transfer, Eric Gray, who has been extremely explosive, almost eight yards per carry, third in the Big 12 and rushing yards per game at 95 and he was only averaging 5.3 yards per carry last season. So he has stepped up his game considerably now that he is the bell cow running back. Marcus Majors, the guy who's going to be spelling him. And he's done a decent job as well, uh, carrying the ball for just a little bit better than five yards per touch. 
As far as receivers go, it's Marvin Mims. That's the guy to keep your eye out for. He is only 5'11", 177 pounds, but he can get behind you in a hurry. He was one of the most explosive receivers in the Big 12 last year, averaging right at 22 yards per catch. That's where he is again this year, 22.1 yards per reception. That's the best mark of any receiver in the Big 12, and he's currently second in the conference in receiving yards per game, just a bit over 100 at 103 yards per contest. Also, a uh, guy who's going to be fielding punts for the Sooners. He's currently second in the Big 12 in terms of all-purpose yards per game, 143.7, only behind Bijan Robinson of Texas. And one last Oklahoma uh, receiver to mention, Theo Weiss. Uh, he doesn't get, he hasn't caught many passes thus far this year, uh, but he is averaging 15 yards per catch. That's one of the better marks in the Big 12. Drake Stoops, another wide receiver to to keep an eye on as well, more of a possession guy, but he was the guy who did hurt the Wildcats in that upset we talked about a little bit earlier where K-State came in and popped the Sooners in 20. He did have a handful of catches in that game, and he's a guy who can he can bust you with his route running, and, and again, not necessarily a guy who's going to get behind you, but a guy to keep an eye on nonetheless. So that is the tale of the tape as far as the Sooners go. K-State, of course, defensively, one of the best uh, one of the best in the conference in terms of scoring defense, best in terms of passing defense, having four seven inter- uh, pass efficiency defense, I should say, in terms of what they've already done to date, forcing seven interceptions through the first three games. So this is very much the tale of the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. So that's going to be the big narrative uh, when the Wildcats defense is on the field. So Nutter, I've got a couple things that I'm going to be watching this Saturday, in particular the pass rush. That's one thing that stuck out to me. Oklahoma's already surrendered seven sacks through the first three games. That's 84th nationally uh, at a little at a, a little bit more than two per game. So they you mentioned their transfer heavy, and a lot of that is on the line. They've got guys from Cal, from Tennessee, from UCLA. Now some of them have have been in the Oklahoma program a couple of years. Some of them are just coming in and getting their their first taste of, uh, of the OU DNA, as they say. So that's one thing I'm going to keep an eye on. K-State's defense, again, very stingy against the pass. And, and I will concede they haven't faced necessarily the most potent passing offenses, but that's definitely one thing to keep your eye on, whether or not the pass rush can get home. And then we talk about it laterally, moving with this RPO game, which is going to stretch you horizontally and vertically. I think that's one thing to keep an eye on as well. And then safety play. Uh, One thing I'll mention there, VJ Payne, K-State's true freshman, got some notable snaps. Uh, Sincere Mason, Chris Kleiman alluded to it during his press conference. He's a little dinged up. Sincere's been banged up, so he hasn't, uh, I don't think, played to the level of what I know Sincere can play, and part of that is is he's been banged up. We need to try to get him continued healthy, but he's not out. That's going to be a pretty critical thing to keep an eye on just with how much Oklahoma tries to sell you on play action and how Dylan Gabriel can move in the pocket and how good he is at carrying the ball as well at that quarterback position. So those are the big things I'm going to have my eye on. Pass rest lateral movement across uh, sideline to sideline and then safety play nutter i didn't know if you had your uh you were going to keep uh track of any other items uh i mean just playing assignment sound on defense you know like you said if they're going to be running play action and a lot of misdirection stuff you just got to make sure you're staying home um because if they are running play action you know i mean that means that the ball's in the backfield that much longer you know you've got that much more of an opportunity to get home and and get get Gabriel down, like you alluded to. They have given up seven sacks already. Um, and with as fast as this offense moves, it'll certainly be the fastest K-State's seen so far this year, you know, keeping them off their rhythm, especially knowing that K-State's offense is still working through some kinks. I mean, I think it's going to be 
pretty paramount. And if you're going to give yourself any, give yourself any chance, you can't let them get into a rhythm early. One other thing I'll mention on the injury front, Nate Matlack uh, went out against Tulane and Kleiman talked about it this week. Lower body injury. We have not ruled him out. The medical staff has not ruled him out for this week. So he's going through progression. I know he was running today, so that's positive. It's not like he's uh, in a boot and can't do anything. He is um, running today, but we are not practicing him today. Um, but uh, we're still hopeful. It's questionable in my mind, at least just based off of the, the comments that were given by coach earlier this week, whether or not he'll go. So that'll be something to, to monitor in terms of his status. But all in all, though, I feel even with what happened this past Saturday, I, I still feel very confident in this K-State defense. And, and the old adage goes, defense does travel. So you have to really, from Kansas State's perspective, hope that that is, in fact, the case. Uh, I, I feel comfortable saying that this secondary will be up to the task in trying to limit this Oklahoma, this very potent Oklahoma passing attack that's been remarkably balanced uh, through the first couple of games, just in terms of Gabriel throwing the ball and also what Eric Ray has been able to do rushing the ball for them on the ground. Uh, they don't really necessarily involve their backs a lot in the passing attack. So it's really the, the, the wide receivers that you're going to have to keep an eye on when the ball does get put up in the air. So that's what I'm going to have my eyes on here. And it's uh, frankly, it's the defense that's going to have to bow up for K-State and really set the tone and see if you can't break that streak as well as far as Dylan Gabriel having been putting up clean sheets with no turnovers through the first couple of games. You're, you're going to need turnovers in this one if, if you're going to want to have a shot. That was the big reason why K-State pulled off that upset in Norman a couple years ago. They forced Spencer Rattler into four interceptions on that day. Uh, four interceptions would be very welcome on this Saturday. And, and dare I say, K-State might have a shot to pull that upset off if they do get four turnovers. But defense going to be paramount for the Wildcats if they hope to pull off the unthinkable in this one. So let's switch it over, though, and look at the K-State offense going up against this Oklahoma defense. They run out of the 4-3 base. And Nutter, this is still early stages feeling out how things are going to go, but the Brent Venables defense, again, this was a guy who coordinated defenses at Clemson who made it to that made it to four championship games. He won two of them and they're still a pretty stingy group, what they've done through the first three. Yeah. Um, only 10 a game. And like I said, you know, early on a lot of, they only, they only gave up a field goal in, uh, in, in their uh, game against uh, Kent State. Again, they ended up winning by 30 points. It was pretty close early, but then the defense pitched a second-half shutout. Um, a lot of what they gave up against UTEP was in garbage time, so, you know, like 10 a game might even might even be a little bit inflated. Um, but they are uh, something to keep an eye on with K-State struggling to move the ball as much as it has. Um, they are only allowing about four yards of play compared to a little bit more than seven that they average on their end of the ball. So, Definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, I don't know what what Kleiman and Klein and Co. might be able to do to mix it up a little bit, maybe get Deuce the ball a little bit more in space. I don't know. But thus far, uh, you know, they've been pretty pretty consistent and pretty stingy, pretty stingy in terms of uh, allowing teams to get going. So it's definitely a pretty big cause for concern and will easily be the best defense K-State's seen so far this season. And again, if you're looking for some some reasons to be positive and optimistic about the Wildcats' chances, one thing I did pick up on just in looking at a couple of the box scores is, uh, and I know first downs isn't exactly a, a telling stat, but kind of remarkable to me that 
UTEP goes in to Norman and racks up 26 first downs. They held the ball for about 38 minutes in that game. Yes, I know they ended up losing 45 to 13, but UTEP was for a moment in the first half hanging with Oklahoma, and they actually had the ball down 21 to 10 with a chance to cut that down to a score right before halftime that were unable to do so. And then the Sooners offense kind of woke up and put the pedal to the metal and they very much did that same thing against Kent state. So I, I think that speaks much more so to the caliber of the opponent in Oklahoma, for lack of a better term, just kind of being sleepy in those games. And when, the, when they wanted to, and when they really wanted to put the pedal to the metal, they absolutely did it. And they ran away from both of those teams and hid late in the second half. So I, I doubt you'll, be the beneficiary of a sleepy start in your big 12 conference opener, but in the same breath, maybe you have a team in Oklahoma that's, that's feeling themselves a little bit, having just gone in and smacked the crap out of Nebraska and they're coming back home where they've been, they're probably feeling a lot more comfortable and confident. Maybe if K-State can spring some things early in this game offensively, you maybe have a chance to get this Oklahoma team a little wobbly. We'll have to see what happens. But to bring it back to this Oklahoma defense and how K-State matches up here, a couple of guys I'll, I'll say to watch. Uh, defensive end combinations, uh, this tandem has been nasty through the first couple of games. Reggie Grimes, number 14, and Ethan Downs, number 40, coming off the edge. They've already combined for six and a half sacks. They're uh, what, uh, the top duo in the Big 12 in terms of uh, their production there. Linebacker Danny Stutzman, team leader in tackles with 25, four tackles for loss, a sack, and a couple of pass breakups. He is second in the conference as it stands right now in terms of tackles. Man, this one stung to see it uh, when I was going through the list. Uh, but linebacker Jaron Kanick, uh, guy that K-State was very, uh, not I won't say optimistic, but a guy that K-State fans felt like they had a shot to get in recruiting. Uh, originally ended up committing to Clemson, but followed Brent Venables to Norman. He is currently fourth on the team in tackles with 17, has a forced fumble and a uh, fumble recovery to his name as well. Uh, one last guy I'll mention as far as players to watch defensive back number five, Billy Bowman has 24 tackles on the young season. He is second on the team in that department. So this Oklahoma team, like I said, running out of the traditional four, three base, but they've got athletes, as we all know, across the board, they've got guys that can wreak havoc coming off the edge. What needs to happen for K-State to have a shot to move the ball this week, Nutter? I've, I've got a couple of things in my, uh, my mind that I'm keeping an eye on, but what are you most focused in on for this K-State offense? Uh, you know, definitely more consistency than we've really seen at any point this year. Um, you know, I kind of alluded to it before. I know I say we got to get Deuce the ball in space. That's one where our most dangerous. You know, we I believe he had eight catches against Tulane, so it's not like we're not trying. But uh, something that stuck out to me, you know, was even when we were checking down to Deuce, when it wasn't necessarily a designed play to him, he was having to leave his feet to catch every ball, which, you know, gives the defender that extra half second to, you know, run him down. So, you know, when we are getting him the ball, making sure we're hitting him in stride to where, you know, he's got that extra half step to make that guy miss because that's when he's the most dangerous. And then obviously spreading it out. Um, you know, obviously spreading it out outside of Deuce. You know, we, we just have yet to have that, you know, we have yet we have yet to have someone step up. You know, I know Cade Warner finally found the end zone last week, but uh not only do we have to utilize Deuce in order to do that, we got it, we've got to keep these guys guessing. And to this point, you know, Deuce has really been the only consistent threat we've had. So, you know, mixing it up and then uh, when we do give Deuce his opportunities, making sure we're giving him an actual opportunity and maximizing that chance for success on each play. 
Deuce had 10 receptions in the game against Oklahoma last year, and he had, this is coming off a game in which he had eight for Kansas State uh, this past Saturday. Uh, I, I'm looking for a lot of things in, in this one for the offense. Uh, chief among them is sustaining drives. Uh, the, it's going to be so, so critical for K-State to, to stay on the field. This is, this is very much going to be the game where we, we know the Wildcats are outmatched, and this Oklahoma offense can again throttle up at any point in time and score on you in you know 50 seconds it it does not take a lot and in the blink of an eye Eric Gray or Mims whoever it may be can get behind you and and, and in a flash you're you're down two scores three scores whatever it might be so for the K-State offense sustaining drives and finishing blocks uh, that was the big thing that I noticed in going back and watching the Tulane game is that there were so many plays that were so close. If you just, if it was a tight end, an H, somebody along the offensive line, sustaining that block for just another half count or whatnot, it, it maybe it opens up a hole for, for Deuce to run through. Maybe it's an instance where Adrian Martinez can get around, get the corner and get, uh, get a first down on a third and short or a fourth and short. There were just a lot of instances where I felt like the blocking left something to be desired. And this was not a bad day rushing for K-State against Tulane. They ended up with 160 yards on the ground and the average four carry. It's not a, a banner day by any means and certainly not what we're accustomed to seeing. So you certainly hope that the guys that are going to be blocking and opening up the holes, that that's that there's a little bit more emphasis on that this week because you're going to need to hold on to the ball as long as you possibly can. And that's how teams, when you when you're playing this, lightning fast offense this is how you frustrate them you, and the defense the defense can really help you this week uh, I, I will say that much this is a, a game in which if you are complimentary and you're hitting on all phases you can really frustrate this Oklahoma team if you go out and score early on and you're up seven to nothing and bang you get the ball back after a three and out if if your guys come in and are disruptive in the and on the defensive side and then you can sustain a long drive and hold that ball for four or five minutes I know we talked about how quickly Oklahoma can score, but that can also get offensive coordinators frustrated. That can make guys press. And, and like we said there, for for as good as Oklahoma has been, you do have to keep in mind that they have not faced a defense anywhere near the caliber of Kansas State through the first three games. And Nebraska's defense is a train wreck. There's, there's no two ways about it. <laughs> Just with the Northwestern racked up over 500 yards of offense against that Nebraska defense. So Oklahoma doing what it did, did not come as a surprise to me. And as I said, this is a game in which if you can play the ultimate complimentary football game and really sustain drives when you do have the ball on offense, you will absolutely have a shot. Vertical passing game, this is the refrain from every K-State fan. If you are looking on Twitter, if you're looking on message boards, and and also in hearing the comments from Coach Kleiman as well. CK and I had a long meeting and visited with uh, Adrian about it, and he would agree that um, he's got to cut it loose and rip it. And uh, um, if a mistake's made, a mistake's made. But uh, be aggressive in, 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 uh, in what you see and what you believe. The offense needs to take a step forward here. You, you need to find a way to instill some confidence in Adrian Martinez to let it rip and have him go down the field. I, I honestly, honest to God, in hearing Chris Kleiman say that this week, I, I, have, I am almost willing to bet money that K-State's first offensive play, if they if they win the toss, they take the ball, 
It is going to be a deep shot. I don't know who it's going to. I don't know where it's going. And I'm not saying it's going to be complete, but I think they're just going to try and take the top off just to show that they can do it. And, and that's all. And another thing too, in listening to some other guys speak about the, the offense and what needs to happen to kind of loosen things up. It doesn't take a lot. It, le- it, do- it really does not take a lot to make a defense a little wobbly. And, and if you can at least make them honor your passing game in some capacity, that can do wonders for you. And, and the thing that you also have to keep in mind too, they they're already, they know the guy at the top of the scouting report. Everybody knows about Deuce Vaughn. If you can make them worry about Malik Knowles, if he pops for a 40 yard pass on the first play of the game, or if you find Cade Warner streaking down the sideline or hell, if it's even Ben Sennett leaking out of the, the backfield, whatever it might be, if you can hit a vertical shot early, to get that Oklahoma defense a little bit off base and you can show that you can hit some intermediate and some deep routes throughout the course of the, uh, you know, the game. I'm not saying you have to hit one every single drive, but man, just one or two early on, I think that goes a long way in helping K-State make this a competitive ball game. And the last thing that I'll say as far as the offense goes, and, and the, really I think this is the biggest thing in terms of whether or not we'll see a competitive game out of K-State on Saturday is how confident is Adrian Martinez? I, I don't feel like he's shook, so to speak. This is a guy who started now 41 games in his college career. It, I, I don't think he's worried in, in terms of whether or not he's going to be able to go out and get it done and execute the offense. I, I think more than anything else, and Nutter, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, I feel like the coaches have been aggressively conservative and, and have really tried to reinforce this idea of playing perfect football to him. I don't know what your thought is on that, but it just seems like they've been, they've been really treating him with kid gloves. That's the way that I've seen it through the first three games. As much as Martinez has, you know, had to hear the narrative all off season about turnover prone, turnover prone, turnover prone, our coaching staffs had to hear had to hear it too. And yes, there's something to be said for not turning over the football, but when the end result is only scoring 10 points against Tulane, that ain't going to get it done either. So you know, I think it's definitely we're, we're at the point where you're going to have to have to start taking some shots downfield. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth that I would not at all be surprised if we, you know, take a home run swing in our first series. You know, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. It's probably worth noting that maybe Martinez's best pass of the year so far was the touchdown to Warner. And that was, you know, pretty much straight fly route right down the field. So, um, you know, I think it's that, you know, the talent's definitely there. No, I, I do think it might be mental a little bit, but I don't know how much of that is in Martinez's head so much as in Kleiman and Klein's head. So, you know, it, there's definitely, and Kleiman alluded to it this week, like you said, you know, K-State just kind of has to get out of its own way and maybe let it rip a little more. Um, Along the lines of Martinez, I actually have a question for you. And, you know, I know it might be irrelevant as we're continuing to work out some kinks on our end here, but does it make much of a difference the fact that – um? you know, he's played in this building before, you know, I mean, does that, is that, is that any kind of confidence boost knowing that Martinez has actually played a pretty competitive game in Norman, you know, as recent as last season? I think it does hold some weight. And the fact that he, that he went into that environment with, again, as it's been very well documented, at least by every K-State fan that you'll see, <laughs> see that oh, oh, Nebraska had no supporting staff. He had a terrible offensive line. He had no specialist to throw the ball to and everything in between. And, and yet still, still, despite all that, was able to go in to Norman last year. I remember thinking the same thing going into that game that, oh, no chance. That, that, that's going to be a walk in the park for for Oklahoma. They're going to just dump them. It's going to be a 38 to, to 10 type of game. And, and and there it was late in the fourth quarter 
Nebraska with a chance. And they got a great effort from their defense that day, too. And I, I think Adrian, looking at what he did that afternoon, man, not a bad day at the office for him. 19 to 25 for just a touch under 300 yards, 289, one touchdown. The one interception, that was, and I don't know the sooner who made the play, but it was that freak one-handed leaping grab as Nebraska was driving. And it was, I believe it was also on a fourth down. So Martinez yeah. just had to had to yeah. wing it at the end zone and, and hope that he got, you know, that it got a flag or something along those lines. So I, I, I think that is absolutely worth noting. And I, I think that's one of those things that you just have to tell him like, listen, you can do this. You can throw the ball down the field. And I, I agree with you, and I'm glad that we're simpatico on that item where I, I think it is very much the coaches that are are being the more timid on, on this. And I think some of it is Martinez not wanting to turn the ball over. I, I think that is in his head a little bit, but I, I think that's one of those things that comes from the top down. I, I think it's the coaches just, pr- and, and I remember listening to Colin talk about it. Probably as much on me as anything, you know, of, of trying to uh, let it be organic and, you know, to- totally on him. But uh, we're, again, we're working through it. That's all fine and good. But at some point you, you do have to, as they've said, you've got to let it rip. And there might be a play where that you might not get your first, your, you know, you might not have the first look that you want, but, if Malik's the guy who looks like he's got the best chance to make the play down the field, or if it's Cade Warner or Philip Brooks, whoever it is, hell man, just let it rip because we got to go down swinging. And I, as I, as I said in our, in the little recap episode, K-State wasn't even diming. They they were just nickeling and you, you won't be able to just nickel your way to bowl eligibility. This offense has to take some, pretty noteworthy steps forward if, if we want to be talking about a team that is contending for a bowl and a team, like I said, as as, as right now, everything is still in front of them. If you go in and do this on Saturday, you are absolutely a threat to win or to be one of the top two Big 12 teams at the end of the season vying for a conference championship in Arlington. So you got to let it rip, guys. Uh, I, 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 I do really believe that what we saw was more of an aberration. I, I believe that this team will get better. I, I am not one of those gloom and doomers yet. I was very frustrated in the moment just because of the way that the game unfolded. I think every K-State fan was frustrated with that. But like I said, I I, I think it might have been an instance of the team maybe taking Tulane a little bit, a little bit too lightly and, and just really not putting forth their best foot after just beating the crap out of Missouri. I, I think that played a role in it as well, where I felt like, and, and this has nothing to do with the uniforms that were worn, have to put the disclaimer out there, but I really did just feel like that was a game in which the team thought they could just roll their helmets out there and Tulane would roll down and die. And that was not the case. I think that was a very awakening experience for them. And I think that they will come out with a different sense of purpose here this coming Saturday as they get set to square off against the Sooners. Nutter, before we do wrap things up uh, and move to our picks to pop here, I know you wanted to make one other point on the offense. Yeah, you know, I just I want to make sure we know that while a lot of this is on the quarterback, you know, I think you've had a lot of people really piling it on Martinez this week. And, you know, while he definitely does deserve some of the blame, we got a couple of leading receivers who have been here a long time at this point, you know. Uh, Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks have both been taking snaps for, you know, four plus years in purple. And you got Cade Warner, who's been playing with uh, playing with Martinez for a long time, you know, since last year, obviously, when he was already in Manhattan. 
Um, you know, these are guys who are going to have to start getting some some separation and, you know, giving us some downfield opportunities as well. Yes, you know, the quarterback has to take those opportunities when they present themselves. But I want to make sure that I'm on the record saying that, you know, it is not all on the guy taking the snaps here. You know, we've got to get guys open downfield. I know it's been a little bit of an issue for quite a while. I don't know that we've had a legit real downfield threat um, in, in several seasons. You might have to go back to even Byron Pringle to find someone who, you know, could consistently get open downfield. So, you know, there's definitely some uh, some room for improvement all the way around. I just want to make sure that we know, you know, this is not all on Martinez. Agreed. It, it is a collective effort, and I know the coaches have been preaching that. I know everybody, fans, will draw their own conclusions, but it, it's it's a whole lot. Uh, it, it's, it's scheme, it's personnel, it, it's Adrian, it's receivers, it's line. I shouldn't blame the line too much. I feel like they've done a really great job in pass protection this year, but – Deuce Vaughn and the running game, DJ Giddens as well, and all the other ball carriers. They've done a, a fine job holding up their end of the bargain as far as getting defenses to, you know, as far as moving the ball for Kansas State and, and really helping the Wildcats stay ahead of the sticks for the most part, not last week notwithstanding. But it, the, the passing game is what needs to ultimately take a tick up, and, and Colin really needs to do some searching in the playbook in terms of finding some concepts that can work. And I honestly, I feel like we need to see Martinez using those legs a little bit more, getting him out on some rollouts and some play action. I know we, we love doing that boot action with Skyler and, and I don't know why we haven't seen that nearly as much here through the first few games of this season with a guy who's notably more mobile than Skyler was certainly last season as well. So that'll be something, whether or not we see a new wrinkle here or there, uh, I have to imagine that we will see some, some new wrinkles this coming Saturday, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping to see Adrian Martinez move around in the pocket and, and the offensive line shifting around with him as well and, and doing some play action to get him out on the edge and have him make a difference in the passing game in that manner. So that's going to be another item to to watch as well. What the what new wrinkles are in store? Uh, I'll say this uh, one last note on that. If I don't see that shovel pass the rest of the season, I'm not going to lose a whole lot of sleep about it. <laughs> but uh, man, they they popped it for a couple yards the first time they ran it. But man, I was just like Colin, we we why are we going to this three four times? However the hell many we ended up running it. But yeah, that's a uh, that's something that hey, if you get a look, you feel like you can run it again, why not? But if we don't see it the rest of the way, I'm probably not going to sweat it too much. So I think Andy Reid actually called that one in from Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little bit different when you're running that with. Uh, with Kelsey and Mahomes, but yeah. uh, one final note here before we move into our picks to pop, as far as specials go, I'll just briefly touch on them. We talked about this needing to be the, the complimentary game. Uh, if K-State can pop one hit the return game, that would be huge this week. Uh, one thing I will say, Oklahoma, it's, it's a spoil of riches for the Sooners. They're second in the big 12 in net punting averaging uh, just over 43 yards of boot. Ty Zentner behind them by one one hundredth of a point. Hope he takes it personally <laughs> this week and flips a couple of fields for the Cats. One other thing too, Zach Schmidt, their place kicker is a redshirt sophomore. He's just two of three on his attempts this year. He has cashed in on all 17 of his point afters. So Maybe something to keep an eye on, a young kicker and really hasn't been put in any kind of pressure situation to date. And I know Ty Zentner, obviously just three for five on the season for K-State, has missed a couple of PAT tries. So 
uh, if the battle, if, if kicking does become a factor in this one, it'll be interesting to see who comes out with the edge as far as that goes. So with all that said, let's go ahead and move into our picks to pop. Very briefly, I'll, I'll touch on last week. Nutter, you were on Deuce Vaughn, who led the Cats in all-purpose yardage, so good on you there. I know his 100-yard rushing streak came to an end, but he did have the eight receptions, and he did have 80 yards rushing on the grounds. And if had he been in for that third quarter, I'm, I imagine that he probably would have eclipsed the 100-yard mark, and that could have swung things the other way for the Cats. But neither here nor there. Daniel Green, a fine outing for him, had an interception for the second straight week. So good picks for you uh, going with pretty <laughs> the canned selections there. But hey, man, <laughs> what go go with what's working. Um, I was on Malik Knowles, who had five catches for 52 yards, uh, led the team in yardage, uh, was only behind Deuce in terms of the number of receptions. And then Kobe Savage had seven tackles, and he too, back-to-back weeks with interceptions. So Let's go ahead. We've been uh, pretty uh, spot on, I'll say, as far as our picks to pop. So who do you, who are you feeling this week on the offense and defense for K-State? Uh, you know, if there was ever a time for Adrian Martinez to put it together, this is the week. And I do think he is going to play a considerably better game. Um, you know, I don't necessarily expect him to come out and throw for 300 yards, but, you know, you alluded to it before. He's had success in this stadium before. Um I know a lot of eyes on him are on him right now. You know, if there's ever a time for a veteran to kind of uh, answer the call, I think this is it. So that's who I'm going to go with on offense. And then on defense, um, it was one of the first things we talked about how important the pass rush is going to be today. Uh, Felix has looked pretty good so far, two and a half sacks already this season. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier, you got to get in there and disrupt their rhythm early. You know, you can't really let them get on any kind of roll early on if you want to have any chance in this one. And, as we've seen, you know, there are guys behind him at both levels that can make plays, you know, if you can force the quarterback into hurrying and throw or making a mistake. We have, I think, seven interceptions as a team, and I think probably more impressively, we have three guys already that have multiple picks. So, you know, I'm definitely looking at Felix, you know, if he can't even necessarily get home all that often, just get back there and, you know, keep keep Gabriel on the move. You know, that's when that's when guys are going to be the most mistake prone. So that's that's who I'm going with on defense. You're absolutely right that 9 a.m. is long overdue for a big time coming out party. And man, what what an opportune time it would be if he, he if he could go into Norman and put together even a, a 200 yard passing type day. And I know that's that's asking for a lot for a guy who has has yet to eclipse that mark uh, in a, in his time here wearing a Wildcat uniform. But I, I know we, we've talked about ad nauseum and it's been mentioned by anybody and everybody in terms of K-State Twitter circles and online at, at KSO, ES, uh, EMA Online, Go Powercat. We know this guy holds all these records at Nebraska for career completions, complete single season completion percentage, yardage. Uh, last season, he was one of the tops in the country in terms of yards per attempt. We, we know that this dude can sling it. And I, I really do hope, and I, I will say this, I thought that last week, when he connected with Cade Warner on that beautiful timing route, you know, just dropped it right in the bucket and right before the safety got in there and blew him up. I mean, just a beautifully timed and executed pass play. I told myself, maybe this is the one that really does help him loosen up and he's able to, excuse me. uh, And he's able to kind of, loosen up on the reins and, and let it fly a little bit more. Unfortunately did not being the case, uh, did not end up being the case, I should say. So I'm certainly hoping that ends up being the, the, the case that's this week that the coaches have sat him down and said, listen, we know you can get this done. We need you to go out there and do it. And, and hopefully they, they call some plays that, that put the onus on him. Like, listen, we're going to call some plays when we get the look, 
you need to be the one to go out there and throw this ball deep to, if it's Malik, as I said, Philip Brooks, Cade Warner, whoever it may be, we need you to take some chances this week. And he's going to have to take some chances in the passing game. I'm going to go with a different receiver this week, just because I thought he had a couple of really nice snags last weekend. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that somebody in the wide receiver core emerges this week and, and, and stresses this Oklahoma defense in a way that we haven't seen them really get tested to date. I'm going to go with, uh, again, Cade Warner. I know he's not a burner by any means, but I, I like what he's been giving K-State to date. And I, I think that he and that connection that he had a couple of times that he and Martinez hooked up last Saturday, I think that's going to be a sign of things to come. I, I know that those two played together at Nebraska, and I know there's a re- existing relationship there. And I'm hoping that those those two can pop off and have a couple of big time uh, hookups this coming Saturday. So I'm going with Cade Warner, another wide receiver. Um, As far as the defense is concerned, I I like my pick of Kobe Savage last week. I'm going to go with another guy in the defensive backfield this week. I'm going to go with Josh Hayes, who's really, after missing that first game, he has really played remarkably well. Kleiman singled him out as one of the best man coverage guys that he has seen in his time as a head coach. And, we know what K-State likes to do in the secondary, and I think he's going to have some opportunities to make some plays. Oklahoma is a team that they like to push it down the field, and Dylan Gabriel's yards per attempt average is pretty high up there at 9.8. So this is an Oklahoma team that likes to take some shots, and he's going to have some opportunities to make plays on the back end for this Kansas State defense. So I'm going to go with another defensive back here in Josh Hayes. I, I feel comfortable saying that K-State's front will slow down this Oklahoma running game. I really do think it's the onus is going to be on the secondary this week, and I'm hoping that they can come away with a couple of interceptions. It'll go a long way in helping the Wildcats potentially pull off the upset. So that being said, let's get ready to wrap things up here with our score predictions last week. We both hit the Tulane point total right on the head. Nutter, you were on them. Uh, we both had the catch picked, obviously, to win. You said K-State 35-17. I had K-State 31-17. So, Nutter, what's your thought this week as far as the score goes? Yeah, uh, as of this very moment, uh, Vegas has Oklahoma as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Honestly, that seems about right to me. Um, I do think K-State's offense will probably sub- sustain one or two more drives this uh, this week than they did last week. But Oklahoma moves a little bit too fast. I think fatigue for our defense is going to be a real problem, especially late in the game. Um, so I, I do think our defense gets worn down, and I'm going to go 30-17 to 17, Oklahoma. Perhaps this is wishful thinking on my part, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say, and I'm picking K-State to lose. I should, <laughs> I should preface it by saying that. I've got Oklahoma 31-20. to 20. I, I think for that type of a game to unfold, though, it, it's one in which K-State – does do a reasonably good job of possessing the ball, keeping Oklahoma's offense off the field. And I think it's ultimately one in which the Wildcats just don't have enough sustained drives though. I think they will be able to move the ball and get some first downs. Like I said, I, the fact that I saw Kent state and UTEP able to pick up all the first downs and keep the clock moving against this Oklahoma team does give me some reason to be confident because I I do feel confident in K-State's running game. And I feel like the offensive line will respond to being challenged this week. But at the end of the day, I just think Oklahoma is going to have too much. And I I think K-State covering that 12 and a half is is certainly on the table. But man, um, this is one in which if K-State's offense cannot move it and cannot hold onto the ball and sustain drives, that this could get very ugly very quickly. So we're both on Oklahoma this week, taking the Sooners. But let's see. You never know what can happen on Saturdays. Primetime matchup again, 7 p.m. on Fox proper. 
I will be making the journey down to Norman, perhaps against my better judgment, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Going to be the last opportunity to see the Wildcats play there. Yeah. Um, I'll be, I'll be watching on TV and question for our listeners. Uh, those of you that like to make up drinking games, I know I'm not the only one. So, uh, my brother-in-law, Mike, and I have come up with a pretty consistent one. Anytime they uh, pan to Kurt Warner in the stands or reference Cade being his son, uh, take a hit. So I want to hear your uh, I want to hear your in-game drinking rules. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that out as a Twitter question. Let you guys jump in on that. Yeah, if it's a if it is a game in which my man Cade Warner pops for you know seven, eight, nine receptions, man, he's that's uh, Kurt Warner and his wife are going to get a lot of FaceTime this coming Saturday, no doubt about that. So. We shall see, guys. Uh, hopefully we see a, a better effort. I think we'll see a much more inspired effort this coming weekend. And who knows? Could end up in a Wildcat victory. Fingers are crossed. Thanks again for listening, for the download. Again, follow us on Twitter, college underscore Kimball. For subscribe to our podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you prefer to listen. With all that being said, I'll close it out the way I always do. Cats, man. If you know, you know. Let's go get a dub. Yeah.